You are listening to an Elam Christian Center podcast. We hope that you are inspired, encouraged, and empowered by the message you are about to hear. How's everybody doing? 100 in the room, second week. Yes, anybody back for the very first time in the room? Anybody back for the first? Oh, come on, that's fantastic. Good to have you back. Also, shout out to everybody online. So great to have you joining us, especially if it's your first Sunday watching our services. We're just so stoked that you have come to join us today. I've got a great word that I would love to share with you all uh, that God just put it on my heart and really feel like uh, He wants to, to speak to some people today. And so before I get into it, would you join with me as we pray? God, we just thank you so much for your presence here and even watching as people gather in their homes. God, we so thank you that you are with us, Lord, that you never leave us. And God, I pray that as we lean in today and as we direct the next sort of 25 minutes to you, God, we just pray that you would draw us nearer to you. God, would you show us and speak to us with what you want us to hear today? Lord, I thank you, God, that you are for us, Lord Jesus, and we just ask all of this in Jesus' name, amen, amen. Well, the title of my message today is You Got Problems, and uh, I want to read to you from 1 Samuel chapter 1. We're going to start at verse 1, and if you've got your notes on the um, app there or online, you can follow along with me as I read. It says, there was a man named Elkanah who lived in Ramah, and I'm just going to skip by all of those funny words. You can read them in your own time, a little bit of bedtime reading, because the most important thing we need to know here is that Elkanah had two wives. Oh, yes, he did. Hannah and Peninnah. I feel sorry for him even more that his wives' names are very similar, uh, that's got to get confusing. <laughs> Peninnah had children, but Hannah did not. Each year, Elkanah would travel to Shiloh to worship and sacrifice to the Lord of uh, Heaven's armies at the tabernacle. The priests of the Lord at, the t- at that time were the two sons of Eli, Hopni and, uh, it sounds like Phineas, we'll go with it. Um, on the days Elkanah presented his sacrifice, he would give portions of the meat to Peninnah and each of her children, And though he loved Hannah, he would give her only one choice portion because the Lord had had given her no children. So Peninnah would taunt Hannah and make fun of her because the Lord had kept her from having children. Year after year, it was the same. Peninnah would taunt Hannah as she went into the tabernacle. Each time, Hannah would be reduced to tears and she would not eat. How many of you can see that from even just from the short part of the story that we have heard so far about this family, that they had problems, right? They had some serious problems. I mean, start with Elkanah, he had two wives. That's a problem right there. I mean, Steve, we've been married for 15 years. Pastor Luke, how many years were you married for? 52 years married. I think that Luke and Steve would say that they've got enough problems just with one wife, let alone if there was two of us. We were double, we'd be double the problem, right? Elkanah had problems, but so did Hannah. Hannah had problems. The Bible says here that Hannah couldn't bear children, which in her day and her time, it was a significant problem. She wanted children, she couldn't have children, but her problem was exemplified because she had a rival who could bear children and who would taunt her and provoke her, almost prodding her with a stick, waiting for a reaction and a response. And she would be constantly reduced to tears. 
In fact, in our very introduction of Hannah, she is identified and defined by her problem. Peninnah had children, Hannah did not. She was not defined by what kind of person she was, by her nice personality, no. She was not defined by anything else that she did or had, no. She was defined by what she didn't have and what she couldn't do. She was defined by her lack. Hannah had problems. Anybody in the room or online today got problems? A provaunting, provaunting, provoking, that's provoking and taunting together. Anybody? Anybody has a new word. Anybody had a provoking, a taunting problem where it just feels like it's ribbing you, poking you with a stick, wanting a response? I mean, let's be honest, people. We cannot avoid problems. Every single one of us face them, whether we're rich or poor, whether we're short or tall, whether we are single or married, qualified, unqualified, employed, unemployed, whatever it might be, we've all got problems We're talking about problems. I think we could all agree 2020 has been a problem. We all have problems. You can't escape them. In fact, the people who you think bring you problems, they've got problems too. And everybody looks at someone else and thinks, I'd quite like their life. Their life would be better than my life. But those people that you look at and think I'd like their life, they've got problems too. We so often want to trade lives with somebody else. So it's like all the, all the single people in the room are like, oh, I wish I had someone to share my bed. And all the married people in the room are like, I wish I had the bed to myself. <laughs> we always think someone else has got it better, but the truth is every single one of us faces problems in our life. But in our story today, Elkanah and Hannah do something in the midst of their problems that I think you and I could learn from. See, Elkanah has this habit that he's built in his family. He's built a habit of every year, so many times a year, taking his entire family and going to a place named Shiloh to offer sacrifices and offerings to the Lord. And what he does in those moments is incredibly significant. See, what Elkanah is doing is building holy habits in his family. Holy habits that in her time of difficulty, problems, and trouble, Hannah had somewhere to go. See, the the name of the place that he would go to was Shiloh. And that name Shiloh means rest. It's a place of rest. And so he built this habit over so many years that meant that when Hannah was in a place of turmoil, a place of unrest, a place of desperation and brokenness, a place where her taunting, provoking problem was prodding and poking her, it meant that because a habit had been built in their life, she had a place where she could go to take her problem and she took it to a place of rest a place of peace, a place of hope. Did you know that the habits that you build in your life become your default setting when you come and face difficulty and problem? We have a a new car that we got kind of semi-recently and uh, there's a setting in our car to do with the seat where you can push a button and program your seat to be at just the right distance for you, for your particular height and leg length and all that. So mine is quite different to Steve's, as you can imagine. 
So you can push the button and the seat would move to just the right distance away from the steering wheel and the foot pedals for you to just the right height at just the right angle. And if you program it correctly, then every time you get in the car, it moves to suit you. Well, I've never programmed it for me, have I? I have never taken the time to program it in for my setting. So every single time I get back into the car, it doesn't matter if I've been out of it for 24 hours or two minutes popping into the dairy to get some milk, the jolly thing will default back to its factory setting and I have to reset the seat every single time. Can I tell you, that until I spend a time to program that default, I will always end up going back to a place I don't wanna be. And the same is true for every one of our lives. If we don't consistently and consciously program a new default setting into our life, trial and difficulty will always come with a risk that we will end up going back to places we don't wanna be. Without a holy habit setting in us a default setting, when trial and difficulty come, we will always end up going back to places like fear, places like anxiety. Our automatic response will be worry, will be anger or frustration. But what we need is to build holy habits that set in stone a new default in your life that when difficulty comes, Instead of fear, your new default is rest, it's peace, it's hope, it's trust. Alcana built a habit. And the question I've got for you and I today is, what habits are we building in our own life that will bring us peace in the midst of our problems? Have you got a habit of prayer in your life? Are you building a habit of going to the Word every day? Have you got a habit of worship, of praise? Are you building a habit of getting to church even when you don't feel like it? Have you got a habit of being committed to your small group? Oh, there it is, something I prepared earlier. (laughs) We're about to kickstart a whole new term of small groups. And this is why we're passionate about it because we believe small groups is a holy habit that you need to commit to in your life because come a day of problem, come a day of trial or difficulty, it'll be a small group that gathers around you and helps journey you to freedom. And if you're in the room today, on every seat is one of these and you can see it says at the bottom, there's something for everyone. And if there's not something there for you, there's a place where you can write down what it is you're looking for. We want to help get you into a group that best suits you. And so we'd love for you to fill this in and pop it in the connect boxes. If you're online today, there's gonna be some buttons that come up or click the connect button and you can fill that in and our team will get in touch with you. They would love to help get you into a small group. There are online small groups for you that you can join. I can't tell you how important it is that we build some holy habits in our life that in problem times will point us to a God who is bigger than our problem. Amen. Come on, let's continue reading our story. 1 Samuel 1, we're reading verse 9 now. Once after a sacrificial meal at Shiloh, Hannah got up and went to pray. Eli the priest was sitting in his customary place beside the entrance of the tabernacle. Hannah was in deep anguish, crying bitterly as she prayed to the Lord. And she made this vow, O Lord of heaven's armies. I love that Hannah calls him the Lord of armies. 
She could have called him anything, but she chose these words, the Lord of armies, because she was appealing to a God who had fought battles and won. And she knew in this moment what she needed is a God who was victorious, a God who could overcome, a God who could conquer. She was saying to him, God, Lord of armies, you've done it once, will you do it again for me? And I wonder how many of you in your circumstance today where you need to begin appealing to the God of armies, to a God who is victorious, to a God who can overcome, And say to that God, Lord of armies, you've done it once. Will you do it again for me? Uh, O Lord of heaven's armies, if you will look upon my sorrow and answer my prayer and give me a son, then I will give him back to you. He will be yours for his entire lifetime. And as a sign that he has been dedicated to the Lord, his hair will never be cut. There are two things in particular that I've noticed that Hannah did in her problem that I think were some holy habits that she defaulted to in her moment of problem. And I wanna share with them to you today because I think we could learn from them. The first thing is this. You can write it down and find it in your notes there. The first thing is this. Hannah gave her problem a purpose. Hannah gave her problem a purpose. In fact, Hannah turned her problem into her purpose. She went to God and she said this, Lord, I've got a problem. But she didn't stop there. She didn't just say, God, I've got a problem. She said, God, I've got a problem, but I want it to have purpose. In her place of brokenness and desperation, in her place of one of the most difficult journeys, she was in anguish and despair, the Bible says, She was determined that her problem would give birth to purpose, that something of purpose would begin to grow inside of her, that at the end of it all, that God would be the one who would get the glory. Often we go to God like this. We say, God, I've got a problem. Like, aren't you gonna take it? Aren't you gonna fix it? And we try and we try and pray it away and we try and wish it away and we try and hope that it will go away. But what if, what if God was trying to birth something in you through the difficulty, through the problem, through that season in order that it might bring him some glory? What is God trying to do in you? What is he trying to birth in you? What is he trying to grow in you? What character does he wanna bring to you through this season? What what is he trying to tell you? Or or what story does he want you to tell? Who is it that he wants you to bring along as you journey through this season? God, give me a son and I'll give him back to you. Lord, I have a problem but may it have purpose. I have a problem, but may it have purpose. In verse 12, we read on, it says, while she continued praying in the Lord's presence. While she continued praying in the Lord's presence, it doesn't take us long to see the next habit that Hannah has formed in her life. Number two says this, Hannah took her problem into the presence. Hannah took her problem into the presence We love to talk about our problems, don't we? Like, I mean, we really love 
to talk about our problems. In fact, I think if we're honest, maybe it's just a girl thing, I don't know, but we will talk to everyone except the one about our problem. We talk to our husband or our wife or our partner. We talk to our bestie. We'll go and we'll talk to another bestie and they don't don't say what we want them to say. So we'll talk to another one and we'll go to the doctor and we'll tell them all about it and then they'll tell the receptionist and look, the the Uber driver, he'll do. I'll tell him too. We talk to the neighbour. We talk to the dog. We talk to everyone except for the one who can actually bring peace and hope and and that sense of trust and faithfulness into our circumstance. But I noticed something that Hannah didn't do while she had her problem. She didn't lash back at Peninnah. She could have. She could have gone straight back at her, but she didn't. She didn't even whinge and moan and whine to Elkanah. She could have, but she didn't. What did she do? She took her problem and she went straight into the presence and she prayed. She prayed. You see, the thing about talking to others is not that it's bad. Look, Look, we are a church of small groups. We believe in journeying with other people. I'm here telling you to sign up for small groups. So I'm not saying don't seek advice or help or comfort from those around you. We find freedom when we journey together. That's not what I'm saying. But what I'm saying is that too often we'll go to people who only confirm our problem. And it's like in that moment, we're actually adding fuel to the fire. It's like if you ever watched those shows like American Idol, the talent shows. And you watch these shows and you can't believe that some of the people would get to a position like that and still not realize they can't sing. Like how many of those people who audition for a show like that just cannot sing? And and, and Simon Cowell seems to be the first person who's actually told them that they sound like a drowning cat. Why? Because they've been surrounded by mum and other people who are only telling them what they want to hear, not what they need to hear. And we do that so often in our lives. We go to people and we surround ourselves with people who only confirm and justify the problem that we are dealing with. And they only tell us what we want to hear, not what we need to hear. But we really need to be surrounded by people who are going to be honest and point us back to the one. See, too often we go to our enablers instead of to the God who is able Stephen Furtick said this, the presence of God will not fix your problem, but it will clarify your perspective. It will clarify your perspective. And perspective is found not from bouncing, telling one person to the next. Perspective is found when we step into the presence, we offer praise and worship. We magnify the God who is able because what that does is it takes our It takes authority out of the hands of our problem and places it back into the hands of God. In our worship, we are saying our God is bigger than our problem, amen? Come on, some of us need a perspective shift today by stepping into the presence. We continue our story in verse 12. 
It says, while she continued praying in the presence, in the Lord's presence, Eli watched her mouth. Hannah was praying silently, and though her lips were moving, her voice could not be heard. Eli thought she was drunk, and he said to her, how long are you gonna be drunk on wine? Get rid of your wine. No, my Lord, Hannah replied, I am a woman with a broken heart. I haven't had any wine or beer. I've been pouring my heart out before the Lord. Don't think of me as a wicked woman. I've been praying from the depth of my anguish and resentment. Eli responded, just, sorry, just there, right there, my anguish and resentment. You know, sometimes we think we can only go to God with what we feel like is justified to go to him. She went with her anguish, her pain and her heartache, but she also went with her resentment. And I think God wants to tell us today that we can take everything to him everything to him. She went with her anguish and resentment. Eli responded, go in peace. And may the God of Israel grant the request you've made of him. May your servant find favor with you, she replied. Then Hannah went on her way and she ate and no longer looked despondent. We continue on verse 19. It says, the next morning, Elkanah and Hannah got up early to worship before the Lord. There they go, building holy habits again. Afterward, they returned home to Ramah. Then Elkanah was intimate with his wife, Hannah, and the Lord remembered her. The Lord remembered Hannah. Wait a minute. Hold up right there. Did God forget Hannah? Like, is, is he a forgetful God? Like, is God, like, out of sight, out of mind? Did she, did she slip his mind? Was he just busy going about his business and then all of a sudden spotted Hannah and went, oh, oh, you stuck on me. I stuck up on me there, Hannah. Almost forgot about you. Don't worry, I'll get you sorted in just a minute. No, 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 no. God's not as forgetful as you and me. See, I've forgotten my children. Oh, I've done it before. We had a church event once and we wanted to feed everybody. Now, I have an oldest child who's got some allergies, so I always have to get something different for him. He's gluten and dairy free. And once we ordered pizzas and I ordered pizzas for everybody and I made sure I had a bunch of different flavors. I made sure I had the right number for everybody knowing how many slices. I worked it all out. I'd made it all organized. I got it all in. We're sitting there looking at all the pizzas and then I feel this tug on my skirt. And I look down and there he is looking up at me with his big eyes. And he says, mommy, where's my pizza? And it dawned on me. I'd forgotten him. He says, Mummy, did you forget me? And all I could say was, yes. Yes, I did. I'm a terrible mother. I'm the worst mother in the world. Is God such an epic parent fail as me that he would forget his beloved child? No. No, he's not. In fact, all throughout Scripture we read that, we read that phrase, and God remembered and the Lord remembered Noah, and the Lord remembered Rachel, and God remembered his covenant between Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and the Lord remembered Sarah, and the Lord remembered Hannah, and God remembered, and God remembered, and God remembered. Has God got that bad a memory? No, he doesn't. See, this word remembered, and that translates as the word zakar, and that word zakar means remembrance or memorial. And the root meaning of it is to recognize or to mark. To recognize or to mark. And that's significant because in each of these circumstances, 
This phrase, and the Lord remembered, came after a season of waiting, a prolonged season of waiting or a season of the unknown and was followed by an act of God. You see, it wasn't that before that moment that God had forgotten his people. No, this was a moment where God was about to do something that would mark or recognize it as significant. This was at the right time, at the appropriate time, Time, God making up a memorial. This was not about God remembering an individual. It was about creating a memorial moment where God would get the glory. And I wonder how many of you are in a waiting season right now and you feel forgotten by God. God has not forgotten you. Maybe perhaps in your waiting, God is creating a moment that could be set up as a memorial where only He would get the glory. Come on, in your waiting season, maybe the significance of it is that it would be marked and recognized as something powerful, as a God who answers prayers. And the Lord remembered Hannah. After some time, the band can join me now. Hannah conceived and gave birth to a son. She named him Samuel because she said, I have requested him from the Lord. Here's the memorial moment. His name means asked of God. And so at every mention of his name, God gets the glory. At every mention of his name, she's letting everyone know this was a child, this was a miracle that my God answered. This was a response to my prayer. The story goes on to tell us that Hannah uh, waited until Samuel was weaned, which in biblical days would have been sort of preschool age. Commentaries aren't 100% sure, but they think between like two and five, she would have weaned him. And then she took, did something quite significant. She took Samuel back. She took him back to her place of desperation. And she took him back to a place of promise. And she took him back and she dedicated him back. Guys, she gave him back. She gave him back. Verse 26, please, my Lord, she said, as surely as you live, I am the woman who stood here beside you praying to the Lord. I prayed for this boy. I prayed for this boy. And since the Lord gave me what I asked for, I now give the boy to the Lord. For as long as he lives, he is given to the Lord. Then he worshiped the Lord there. See, it is one thing to have faith and ask for and believe for the answer and then receive it. It is a whole nother thing to receive what you have so desperately been believing for and then give it back to God again. Pastor Luke said this a couple of years ago and I wrote it down. He said, the true test of faith is not in the praying, believing and receiving, receiving what you have asked for, the true test of faith is can you give it back to God? You might be asking for a job, but are you willing to tithe? Hmm. You might be asking for a home, but will you build God's house? You might be asking for healing, but will you step out of your comfort zone and pray for someone else to be healed? You might be asking for a purpose, but will you go wherever? He sends you. God remembered Hannah, but then Hannah remembered God. 
So often we make mistakes in our brokenness that we forget about in our wholeness. The question is today, when God delivers on His side of the bargain, can we honour our commitment, give it all back to God, and still have faith to believe that He is good? I wanna pray for you in just a moment, but the beautiful part of the story is still coming. In 1 Samuel chapter 2, verse 21, we learn that after Hannah gave Samuel back to God, God gives Hannah five more children because you can't outgive the God of armies. Amen. Come on, let me pray for you today. Oh God, I thank you, Lord Jesus, for your presence in this room. And I thank you that online, oh God, your presence is filling homes all across this country and beyond. God Jesus, right now, we acknowledge, God, we've got problems. Lord, we have a problem, but we want it to have purpose. Right now, Lord, as we step into your presence, God, in doing so, Lord Jesus, we shift our perspective and we transfer authority from the problem back to you, Lord, and we declare you are the God of armies. You are the God that's fought and won battles. You are the God who is victorious. And right now, we appeal to you. And we say, Lord, would you birth something in us through this problem season that would one day be a memorial moment that would mark and be significant and recognize that only you get the glory. I wanna take a moment right now just to speak to a particular group of people in the room and online, I'm speaking to you. Maybe you've come to church today And perhaps you really don't know about this God stuff. It's a little bit foreign to you. Could be your first time, it could be your first time ever watching today. And you don't know much, but what you do know is that you need whatever it is that's here. You need whatever it is that you're experiencing through that screen. What you know you need is God in your life right now. I wanna tell you that He loves you. He loves you and He created you with a plan and a purpose in mind. But the truth is that we all mess up, we make mistakes, we choose our own way, we we walk away from Him at some point in our life, we turn our back on God and we choose to do our own thing. The Bible calls it sin. And that sin, it separates us from God and it separates us from living a life in relationship with Him now and in eternity. But God in His mercy and grace loves you so much that He sent His one and only Son to live a life on earth, to live a sinless life and then die a sinner's death on a cross to pay the debt that you and I would do. And that meant that we could come back into relationship with Him and be reconciled with God. And I'm gonna pray a prayer in just a moment and I'm gonna invite anyone in this room and online to join me in praying that prayer. All you need to do to make it your own is just mean it. Mean it with everything that you've got. I'm gonna pray it out loud. You can pray it in your heart. Are you ready? Let's pray. Dear Jesus, thank you that you went to the cross for me. Thank you that you paid the debt that I was due. 
and I ask that you would forgive me today. I choose this day to follow you. I ask that you would come and be the Lord of my life. Thank you that today I can step into a new purpose and the new plans that you have for me. In Jesus' name, still with every head bowed and every eye closed, don't let praying that prayer be the only step you take. Whether you're in the room or online, I'm gonna ask you to do something really brave for me. I'm not gonna call you to the front. I'm not gonna make you stand up. I won't embarrass you. All I want you to do, I'm gonna count to three. I would love to be able to acknowledge who I prayed for today by you lifting your hand. All you have to do is lift it nice and high. I'll see it, I'll acknowledge it. You can pop it straight back down. Online, there's a button coming up that says, I raise my hand. Love for you to push that button. I'll see it, I'll acknowledge it. Are you ready? Be bold, be brave. One, two, three. Hands can go up. Thank you, Jesus. Online, you can go ahead and push that button. You're saying, yes, Bex. Yes to Jesus. Awesome, I see your hand. Amazing, I see you down there. Anybody else, you're saying, Bex, I raise my hand. Maybe for the first time, maybe coming back to God. I'm just gonna leave a few more moments for our online team. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. Maybe this day you're watching specifically for the purpose that you wanna come to know Jesus. Awesome, I see you online. Amazing, four online. Thank you, Jesus. Anybody else who's saying, Bex, would you count me in? Another one online, I see you. I see you. Awesome, awesome, awesome. God, we thank you, Lord. Oh, we thank you that you can transform and change a life no matter how broken you can bring it to wholeness. And we believe that that's taking place right now today. And we just wanna celebrate that. Lord, we love you, we celebrate you. Come on, let's celebrate with all of heaven today. Come on, lift your hands. Thank you for listening to this Elam Christian Center podcast. Please subscribe to keep hearing more life-changing messages. For more information about our church, please visit www.elamchristiancenter.org.nz.